Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Good morning. All right, we are plugging away on 2 Timothy. So if you got your Bibles, pull those out. If not, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you, and we're on page 1002 today. And uh, we're going through verse by verse through a book called 2 Timothy. As the little uh, slideshow describes 2 Timothy, it's encouragement from a pastor and follower of Christ pouring into his young disciple young man that he's mentoring, and Paul, who wrote this, was a guy with an interesting past, if you don't know. Uh, He actually persecuted the church. He was not a nice guy for a period of time in his life until he found Jesus Christ, was born again, and then began living his life that others might know the love of God. And so God changed his heart, and therefore, the hope is for each one of us here that he can change all of ours as well. So we're in 2 Timothy, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5, if you want to join along with me as we read. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning from 2 Timothy. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for the way that you use it to to penetrate our hearts and help us to walk in a way that is loving, that is kind, that is generous. Lord, I pray for all of us today as we dig into this passage that you would help us look at our, our own lives and apply it to ourselves, convict us, where we need to be convicted, and change our hearts where we need to be changed. Thank you, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now last week, we talked about how to deal with difficult people, and I talked about how that passage was primarily targeting people outside of the church. This week, we're talking about uh, dealing with sins of people within the church, and we know that because if you go to verse 5, He says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. So these are people that are faking it in their Christian walk. They're coming to the church pretending to be somebody on Sunday and then purposely or intentionally living a different life the rest of the week. And so Paul is is warning Timothy of what is to come. Now, some people read that where it says, in the last days, and they think that means in the days right before Christ comes, like the way people will be behaving right before Jesus comes. 
That word in the last days can also mean in latter days. So I think it, it's a both and. I think he was talking to Timothy, telling Timothy, Timothy, this is gonna be coming your way, be prepared. This trouble's coming your way as a pastor, be prepared. But then I think it's also a message for us today as we go through this list of sins, just as we look at our culture and where we're at, just how much is prevalent today, and we need to prepare our hearts to live differently, and then we also need to be prepared to speak out against sin. And so the first thing is that uh, leaders are guardians of the church. That's kind of a, a unique phrase. I was trying to think of a good phrase to put in there, but Paul's basically telling Timothy to be a guardian of the church, to not allow these unholy activities to go on within the body of Christ without preaching about them and teaching about them and helping people see that they can have victory over these sins because what sin does, it chains us, right? The Bible says Jesus came to set us free. Free from what? The sins that so easily beset us, that so easily drag us down. And that's what happens. When you get caught in a sin, whether it's an addiction or whether it's in bitterness and anger or gossip, whatever it is, it begins to separate you from people that are around you. It begins to separate you from God. So Paul just goes and he labels 19 of these and that's not even comprehensive. There's a whole lot more sins out there. You ever wonder why he picked these 19? That's one thing I kept asking myself. Why is he picking these 19 out of all the ones he could pick? And one of them he doubles down on and mentions twice. Well, I don't know, but here's what I do know. We're gonna dig in and see what they are. You get ready to tra travel with me on this? All right. Uh, so the first one Paul calls out, he says, people will be lovers of themselves. Whew. Is that not everywhere? If I have one more people, tell one more people. <laughs> Boy, that's good English. That's Tennessee English. If I have one more person tell me that God wants them to be happy and that's how they're making their decisions, I'm just gonna take them right to Timothy again where he talks about all this suffering we're called to do for God. Physical suffering is not fun. It doesn't make you happy. But if you're walking your, your walk with Christ, there'll be times that you will physically suffer. If you are living yourself so that you can be happy, you'll never find the joy that you, and happiness you really want. You see, because God turned the tables right side up, and he said, if you want to find this joy, you find it, first of all, by worshiping God, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes people want to take that love your neighbor as yourself and talk about how much God wants us to love ourselves. No, he's just saying we need to love everybody as much as we love ourselves. I don't know very many people that struggle with loving themselves. I know people struggle with forgiving themselves, but everybody I know still gets up and feeds themselves three times a day or whenever they're hungry, right? Do you feed other people three times a day? Do you serve them in the same way? It's, it's a struggle, right? And so he's calling it out here that in the final days, people will be lovers of themselves. And, and if you wanna know what makes a relationship healthy and loving others healthy, healthy is putting them before yourself. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes in a marriage, in a friendship, 
in a parenting and kid ceremony uh, scenario, they will give you 0% back in seasons. Am I right? There are some seasons where you're given 100% and they're given 0%. I've had that in my marriage, right? You know, there was a season in my marriage where I was doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, taking care of all the kids, getting them up every day, coming to work, working 60 hours a week, and all my wife was doing was laying in bed. True, for at least three days till she got out of the hospital. Awesome, right? There we go. Yay, let's give the guys in the back a hand. All right? Listen, sometimes there was a season that the CB frequencies interfered with the church for a long time, and we had to, man, we'd be talking. All of a sudden, a trucker would come online when we were down there. It's like, breaker one nine, breaker one nine. Like, cut it, cut it. You don't know what's coming next. So very grateful for our team in back and all that they do. Uh, so... Lovers of self, let me just encourage you. If you'll love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, that's where you'll find that fulfillment in those relationships, okay? That's why he taught us that. Second, he says, lovers of money. Now, 1 Timothy 6.10, which is the first level letter that Paul wrote, says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it's important that you see the difference, okay? Money's not evil. Anybody here got a $20 bill? Anybody got a $20 bill up front that I can just borrow for a minute? All right, somebody's pulling some money. Uh, I know most you young people don't even carry cash anymore. They were, oh, there's a 20. He beat you to the punch. <laughs> He'll be glad he did. Okay, I noticed you're kind of struggling there, Bob, to get that out there for a minute. All right, so, so is this piece of paper evil? No. We use this to, to pay our bills, right? We use this to feed our families, we use this to do mission work around the world. Money is not evil. It is a tool. But if we love it more than we love the Lord, if we love it more than we love our families, if we love it more than we love others, then it's the root of evil. We begin to pursue it, and then we're dis we are uh, disconnected to our families because we're loving this more. We're not generous. We're not kind because we're focused on this, Right? Now, let me just ask you, Jason, is your wallet any lighter? I mean, did you feel a difference when, you, when I took this out? So it's no difference, right? And my pocket's not any heavier. So you didn't really miss that $20 bill, and I'll get some extra chips and salsa today, and we'll both be happy you had a good illustration. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So money is, the, uh, is not the root of evil. It's the love of money. And Paul is, is saying, listen, if, if you're struggling with the love of money, you need to repent. You need to turn away from that and put your love back on God and family and people, okay? Then he goes on to, he says, boastful and proud. Boy, this is, this is a challenge for all of us. Now, there's two kinds of pride. 
There's the pride where it says, take pride in your work, okay? Take pride in what you're doing. In other words, do something, as it says in Colossians 3, as unto the Lord and not unto men. So if, if that's the way you're using the word pride, that's okay. You should take pride, but it's to honor God and not yourself. What he's talking about here, being proud and boastful, is when you're looking down your nose at other people and you think you're better than someone else because of your upbringing, because of your education, because of your job position, because of your nationality, because of your race, whatever it is, you are looking down your nose and you are proud and boastful of who you are and you think you're better than others. That's wrong. Okay, we all agree that's wrong, but we struggle to do it anyway, don't we? Oh, we don't say it out loud as much anymore because it's really shameful in our culture right now, but it goes through our heads. It goes through mine. Sometimes I drive by, just yesterday, I'm driving by somebody with a sign out there, and I, I go through the narrative in my mind, and I have to go, okay, God, except for the grace of God, go I. May I never look down my nose at anybody. May I not do that. That's what he's calling us to do, not to be boastful and proud of who we are, but may we boast, we boast in the Lord, that he has blessed us, he has provided for us, because we are blessed. Uh, second is scoffing at God. Now, this is something that I, I've just seen exploding today in our culture that really saddens me. I've seen people scoff at the church, make fun of the church, and you know what? It doesn't hurt my feelings if somebody pokes at me as a Christian. You know, it's like, hey, we, we are pretty funny sometimes, you know, some of the way we do some things, you know. Uh, but scoffing at God is a different level. It talks about taking the Lord's name in vain. It's the idea that you're mocking God, and we are mocking God at a whole new level now. I don't know if you saw, but June, uh, what was it? June 16th was a, was a pretty controversial day out in Los Angeles because the Los Angeles Dodgers invited to the stadium the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which were drag performers that dress up as nuns to mock Christianity. And some people say, well, they're just poking fun at the church, but no, they're not poking fun at the church. They actually would set up a cross, put a Jesus on the cross, and mock and do sacrilegious things towards Christ on the cross. And the Dodgers invited them and didn't just have them allow them to come, they gave them an award for community, they gave them the Community Hero Award, celebrating things that are a mockery to God. And that's just one instance. But where in our lives do we do that? Where in Steve Taboo's life do I watch things on TV that are mocking God and just glaze over it because I want to see the end of the movie? This was one that actually convicted me because there's some shows that the language they use mocks God. And I've got all the power in a finger right there. All the power on my, my remote control to, to stop it. And do I? I was convicted on this one. Uh, and that's what I hope as we go through these is you just have your heart open to what God wants to speak to you about, okay? The next one, disobedient to their parents. Woo, do we see this today? 
We were in a restaurant yesterday. I'm sitting there just eating my fried chicken like a good Baptist preacher. And all of a sudden, from like four tables over, I hear this, no! I mean, it was twice that loud, and he did not need a microphone. I mean, like everybody in the restaurant just kind of like did this for a second, and I turned and looked at, and it was just, couldn't have been more than five years old, screaming at his parents. It was a moment. Now, I could tell you how that moment would have been if I'd have done that with my parents. It would not have been the same scenario, right? Uh, I could tell you how the moment would have gone if my kids had done that. It would have not have been the same scenario. I would have taken them outside calmly and quietly, and then we'd have gone home immediately and had a conversation with myself and my mode of discipline, of love. And uh, it would to motivate them to respect their parents in love, in love. I always have to say that, in love. Let me be clear. Uh, listen, we're in a day today where the shows you're watching and letting your kids watch are mocking parents. The cartoons are mocking parents. So many of the popular TV things today are making parents look like idiots and children and teenagers look like geniuses. And if you're wondering why your kids are struggling with respect for adults, it could be what they're watching, but it could also be whether you as a parent are teaching them respect or whether or not you as a parent are demonstrating and being an example of respect for authority that's over you as well. If your first response is to mock and insult others in authority over you, your boss, a police officer when he pulls you over, an educator, if you're modeling that in front of your kids, then just understand you are modeling disobedience to them and disrespect as they have you as, your, as their authority over them. I was watching a, a little meme or whatever you call it, and it was showing how, how conversations, parent-teacher conferences went in the 80s and how they go today. And it had this... Uh, this teacher with the parents and the, the, the child, and he says, now, your son's failing math, and it's, you know, he needs to pick it up or he's gonna fail the class. And the parents turn to the kid, and they're like, Johnny, we can do this. You gotta do better. We'll start working with you for an hour a night on homework. We'll get you a tutor, but, but Johnny, you gotta put the effort forward, and you gotta make sure that you're doing it. Mr. Teacher, we're gonna make sure that Johnny's gonna do this. We got this. And the second was today, and then the parents turn to the teacher and go, are you kidding me? Why aren't you educating my child? What is your problem? I'm paying you good money with my taxes to take care of my kid, and you can't even get them to pass math? And I tell you, I've talked to a lot of educators, and there's a lot of truth to that statement. May it not be said of us. I want to challenge you. Respect your teachers. Amen, teachers? Honor them. Honor your educators. Now, if they're doing something, I teach my kids, the only reason to rebel if it's unbiblical, ungodly. If, if someone in authority over you is telling you to sin, you can reject that, and you can walk away. But if they're just telling you to do something you don't like, like math or science, and that's what's being required of you, then you honor and you respect by doing the best job you can. If you go to work for an employer, how many of you employ people? A bunch of you? You don't have to raise your hand, but a bunch of you, right? 
and you, t- you want to teach them how to do, let's just say it's cutting grass, because I know cutting grass. So let's say you want to teach them to cut grass, and you say, I want the stripes to run this way. And they get on the mower, and they just start doing circles in the backyard. <laughs> and then you say, hey, I said I want it this way. Well, that doesn't make sense. Circles are so much cooler, right? Listen, honor those in authority over you. In the latter days, as it says, he will be disobedient to their parents, and I would just say that stretches across the whole culture. So if that's something you struggle with, ask God for forgiveness. Ungrateful. Uh, We live in an entitled world today, do we not? More than I ever remember. Does anybody know what the uh, top 1% of the world, the average uh, yearly income is for them? You know, you hear people say, we need to tax the top 1% more. We need to to levy more taxes, heavier taxes on the top 1%. Well, what they mean is the top 1% in America. Because if you're talking about the top 1% in the world, almost everybody in here is in that category. Average household income for the top 1% of the world, 34 grand a year. 34 grand. If you take the whole world into, into, um, into being... 34,000 a year. So each one of us, if anything, we have so much to be thankful for, right? We are so blessed that in this nation, we have a chance to work and provide for our families. And there's a lot of jobs out there right now. You could start tomorrow with no previous experience. As it says on the billboard, driving from exit 286 to 287, you could go work in one of those prisons and make well over... 34,000 a year and being the top 1% of the world. Are we grateful for the blessing we have in our nation to earn a living and provide for our families? I hope so. What about considering nothing sacred? That's the next one he says. We're considering nothing sacred. It used to be that we saw sex in this nation as a gift from God for a husband and wife, and now it's just treated as no more than a handshake or a fist bump. It's not treated with the beauty and the gift that God had created it to be. It's not created with the specialness that God created it to be. And it's not just sexuality, it's language. Seems like we're wanting to put so much filth in every show I was watching a show a while back, and it was like set in the 1700s, and they're dropping certain cuss words that weren't even around in the 1700s. And I'm like, how does that make sense? You're wanting to be artistic and uh, wanting to express how it really was. They didn't use those cuss words, but we're going to throw them in there anyway just for effect, considering nothing sacred. Unloving is the next one. How can we be more loving? Would the waitress at the restaurant you're going to today consider you loving? Would the person checking you out, well, check, most places don't even let you check out with a person anymore, do they? You have to do that little computer thing. But those that you check out with, would they consider you loving? Would the person at Lowe's, men, or Ace, when you go there and they're out of stock and you gotta have it that day because you're, your plumbing is shooting water everywhere. Do you treat them loving when they tell you it's out of stock for three weeks? Whew, that's speaking to me. 
We can be loving in all situations because we know that the bigger plan is to honor God. And even when things aren't going our way, we can choose to be loving. Even when other people are treating us mean and nasty, we can choose to be loving. If you get a server at a restaurant and they're having a bad day and they're just not treating you real well, do you leave the penny to make a point or do you leave the $5 with a word of encouragement, hope your day gets better? That's the difference between whether we're loving or whether we're getting our point across. God calls us to be loving. How about the next one, unforgiving? True mark of a follower of Christ. When we mess up, we fess up, we move on. And when others mess up and they fess up to us, we love them enough to let them move on. Forgiving. Next one, slanderous. This is so true of our culture. I, I, I can't even watch the news sometimes because instead of talking about issues and some of the problems that's going on, they just want to hurl insults at each other. They just want to call each other names and instead of actually discussing a problem, they just want to talk about all the dumb stuff they've done in the past and they just want to criticize the other party or whoever it is. We can't move forward without honest dialogue and slandering other people will not help that. Let's choose not to be slanderous. Next one is no self-control. If there's no self-control, we have anarchy. We have chaos. We've seen that in our nation, haven't we? And we've come to a place that we will celebrate that, not, all, not, not us, but in our media, we will celebrate the chaos and call them peaceful protests and they burn down half a city. But then you have a country music singer sing a song about we're not going to let that happen in our city. And we'll, I don't know if you know that, but they banned it from, from some stations. Now, they'll let a rap singer talk about killing a cop. He'll be right on that station. But you want to sing about not in our city. You can't, can't have that. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to let you see the signs of the times that the Bible says they'll call good evil and evil good. I think we're about on that boundary. Slander. No self-control. Cruel. Bullying, one of the number one problems in school. Kids bullying other kids. Hate what is good. He says the sign is they will hate what is good. We just talked about that. They'll betray friends. Well, if it's all about yourself, it's all about keeping yourself happy, you'll betray a friend to make yourself happy, right? Because if your value is that you should be happy, you'll betray your friends so that you can be happy. Even if that means taking their spouse I've done a lot, of, a lot of marriage counseling. It's amazing how many of the affairs are with the spouse's best friend. How many times the betrayal takes place. Why? Because that person thinks they deserve to be happy, even if it means I'm taking the spouse from my best friend 
I deserve to be happy. So therefore, I'll go after their spouse because I think they'll make me happy. Reckless. Are we reckless in our country? Are you reckless in your life? Do you do things just because it's easy and quick instead of doing things because they have purpose and meaning? Look at this one. He goes back to pride again, puffed up with pride. He hits it again. We're puffed up with pride. We battle with pride. Now, I think this one's big on me. This was one of the two biggies for me, this pride thing. Anybody else? Next one, loving pleasure more than loving God. That's a battle. Last night I was talking to my son and talking about, you know, it's like I could pull out my phone and instantly I can have movies, I can have uh, political commentary shows, I can have all this different stuff to entertain me and I can just sit there and be selfish for hours and not love or serve my family. It's a challenge for me, and I know it's a challenge for some more people in the room because the latest study I saw was the average amount of screen time is eight hours a day. I think that was for for teenagers like 13 to 25-year-olds. But I don't know that it's so much less for the rest of us. It's a lot. Well... The next section is pretty big. This verse five. I want to read verse five again because this is this is huge. It says, They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I believe the stay away from people like that is talking about this last two pieces here. Because obviously some of us, if not all of us, fit in one of those other 17 things, right? Make sense? Okay. Uh, but these last two things, it says, they will act religious, but they reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Who are those people he's talking about? They're fakers, pretenders, hypocrites. The people that Jesus called out in his ministry were the hypocrites. They pretended to love God, but that all they wanted from the religion was the power. And there are people that, that will want to use the church for their own purposes of financial gain, political gain, not to come and worship God. Those are the people I believe he's telling us to stay away from. Now, what am I talking about? Well, I had a, a person one time came to me, never seen them before in church, and they uh, came to me after the service, made a beeline to me, and they said, hey, I want you to know I'm running for office. This is about 10 years ago. I'm running for office. I want to know if you'd endorse me. And I said, well, I, I don't really endorse anybody. I said, I'll pray with you, you know, if you'd like to meet, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and if I can pray with you. And, and he goes, well, I just, I was looking for an endorsement. I said, well, I, I'm not gonna do that. Well, I saw him maybe one more time and then they did some interviews with all these candidates and he wrote his paragraph and everything about what he was running on and I noticed that he made sure he put on there he's a, a member of the River Community Church. He never joined the church. I'd only seen him there twice but he thought that might get him more, more votes, apparently. He didn't win, so maybe he picked the wrong church. I don't know. But I would just say, if someone is just pretending to be a Christian so they can advance themselves, 
so they can increase their business portfolio. Those are the folks you need to stay away from because they're trying to use the holy things of God for their own benefit. Paul says stay away from those types of people. They're dangerous. I'll tell you who else fits in that. Not all, but a lot of television evangelists. They'll say things. They'll promise things in front of a TV screen. They know they can't deliver so that they can get that check for that new jet. I love the television evangelist that said he wanted a new jet. And he's willing to tell everybody they need to chip in to bring it to them because they love Jesus. Well, that leads to the, this last thing here, which is the second point. That's why I only had two points. <laughs> Don't worry, the second one's not as long. There's not 19 things in this one. The second thing is leaders protect the church from false teachers. Verse six, they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janice and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away for, with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janice and Jambres. Leaders for Christ must protect the church from false teachers. Now, he gives three nuggets here to understand what a false teacher is, okay? Now, first one is the opposite. A, false, a, a good teacher is one who, who takes care of his flock, right? That makes sense? Okay, so can somebody please turn the air conditioning down? It's, it's hot in here. I see people waving their hands, okay? Can y'all get somebody to turn the air conditioning down? Uh, we had a unit go out uh, this week during camp, and so uh, we'll try to take care of that. That's actually not a part of my sermon. I'm just really seeing a boatload of people doing this, and it's getting warm, and people are falling asleep, and I know it can't be my preaching. So, <laughs> must be the temperature. All right, so let, let's finish up with point number two. Leaders protect the church, and he gives them three, three ways to, to pick out false teachers, okay? Number one, they manipulate the vulnerable. You see what he says? They go after women in this situation, these women who are burdened with the guilt of sin controlled by various desires. I don't know who those women are. Maybe they're former prostitutes that have come into the church, and this false teacher is, is trying to manipulate them. But that was who they were seeing that were in that situation. Who are they today? I think the most targeted are our senior adults today. My mom and my dad have both lived with me after they've retired, and I was blown away by the number of phone calls they get by scammers all the time. It, is, it, is, it would infuriate me. Oh, do you need a new roof? No, I don't live here. Well, well I could come give you an estimate anyway, right? I mean, it's like, whatever it is. My dad got a call saying my kid was in jail, and if he'd send him money, you know, they'd help him get out. My uncle got a call saying my kid was in jail, and I began to wonder if my kid was in jail, you know? He wasn't. But it's like all these scams out there, they're preying on vulnerable people, and there are false teachers that will do the same. One of the reasons my mom said she didn't want to become a Christian when I first got saved 
was her grandmother would listen to a, at that time, before they had television evangelists, they had radio evangelists. And she, she said he would manipulate her to send the last bit of money she had when I knew that he was rich. And a lot of these guys are, are, are manipulating senior adults and others saying, you need to send this $100 on, through the TV so that you can be blessed, and all they're gonna do is put it to buy their second jet. At least the one guy was honest enough to admit that he wanted it for his second jet. I, I just wanna challenge you. If you're getting manipulated, if I ever stand up here and go, now listen, if you don't give today, we're gonna have to shut the doors of the church and I can't feed my children. If I ever say manure like that, you need to call me out, okay? We give as an act of worship to God. We give to give glory to God. We give because it's a testimony of giving back of what God has given us. We don't give because a guy up here is good at fleecing the flock. Second thing, these false teachers, they oppose the truth of Scripture. They oppose it. You give them true biblical truth, and they go, oh, well, that's not that important. Let me give you my, my take on that. They'll oppose true Scripture. I, I can say this to you guys in here. Our elders will agree. If you guys ever come to us with something you believe is unbiblical, we will listen, and we will pray about it. And we will change if you can show us that we're doing something that's unbiblical. Because the word of God stands, we're just here temp very temporary. Well, the third thing is their darkness will come to light. The good news, this is the good news, a false teacher, their darkness will come to light. There was a um, 60 Minutes, the, the TV show 60 Minutes, they did an um, investigative report on, I think it was five television evangelists and exposed just a lot of the lies and the evil that was going on. And some people were really upset. Like, I can't believe they would do that. But listen, as leaders for Christ, we should always welcome transparency. That's why we tell people, if you join the church, you can come look at our books. You can see everything. You can't see how much our people earn but we can show you the bracket of what we earn because we earn the same as, as school teachers and vice principals. We, we keep the bracket the same as what they make because we want total transparency. We've gotta have transparency in our lives as Christians. We have to have transparency in the church. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, you need to guard against these false teachers. You need to guard against these sins and you need to lead with love and integrity, okay? It's a different kind of sermon today. That's what was in the book. I just hope that you'll consider and ask, what is it in your life that I just talked about from Timothy that you might need to look at and ask God for help with? Now, the invitation today is gonna be a little different. The prayer room will be open. Those that are helping with the prayer room, go on back there if you would. The prayer room will be open if you wanna talk to somebody. And then there's a card in everybody's program. Uh, I mean, in the, in the seat in front of you, the little connection card, the tall one with the blue at the top. If you'd like to talk to somebody, if you'd like to connect with somebody, you just check that box and we'll give you a follow-up phone call, okay? I'm gonna pray for you guys and, and ask God just to, to hear our prayers and as we all confess our sins to him, 
And then uh, we'll have a video on wind shape, celebrating what God did, and Lauren's gonna close it, okay? Let's pray. Lord, you shoved 19 things in those couple verses there, and I gotta believe at least one of them hit all of us. God, we don't wanna be fakes. We don't wanna dishonor your name because of our sin. And so, Father, we come before you now. Whatever it is you've spoken to us about, Lord, my pride, somebody else's boastfulness, whatever it is, Lord, we bring that to the foot of the cross right now, Lord, and we know that you have told us that the blood of Jesus will wash clean all of our sins. So right now, Lord, we ask for forgiveness and we ask that you would wash us clean at this point moving forward, Lord. Whatever it is that you spoke to us about, Lord, we, we just bring it before you. We ask for forgiveness, and we pray that you light our fire, God, that you light our fire to be that loving, kind, encouraging follower of Christ that you're leading us to be. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.